You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen, and once again, each and every week, I'm joined alongside my wife, Pam. Happy to be here. Where we explore the wisdom and skills of the world's smartest relationship minds with in-depth conversations, uh, talking about their research, mm-hmm. hearing their stories, and also us answering their questions. I love doing that. Yes, because we also have Feedback Wednesdays and topics that are set by the nation. And so if you've got feedback for us or something you, that we've missed or you want us to address something specifically, send us a message by calling the show at 214-702-9565 or email us at feedback at And Pam, each and every week, we also talk about these starter packs that we have. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you want an easy way to tell your friends about SMR, or if you're new and you want to figure out what's going on here at SMR, we have these episode starter packs and you can go to smrnation.com forward slash starter or search for our show in the Spotify app. And they're broken down by topic or best ofs mm-hmm. uh, with downloads. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is an encore presentation of a conversation that I did with Dr. Justin Laymiller on his world of fantasies and the research that he's done on the topic. Nice. Because we've been talking last week's episode mm-hmm. uh, was about trauma. Right. And fantasies can be an element that kind of weaves into mm-hmm. life. And so it seemed apropos to let's, re- let's revisit this yep. as an encore presentation. And on the extended content today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe as always at smrnation.com forward slash SMR Academy. We go into a deeper conversation about fantasies, what should we do with them? What do they mean? Mm-hmm. As far as as far as what he's seen in his work, and the messages he tries to get out there for everybody. So all that's coming up on today's show. So joining me for today on Sexy Marriage Radio is Dr. Justin Lay Miller, who you are a you have a PhD in uh, I'm trying social psychology. Is that what I? Correct. Am I remembering that correctly? Okay. And uh, he has a new book out called Tell Me What You Want that dives straight into the world of fantasy. Uh, You also host and write and podcast. I mean, there's a lot that you got going on. (laughs) I see. So... So you're pretty prominent around the around the interwebs, if you will. Um, but where I want to go with you, Justin, today is, um, man, because the whole book, tell me what you want, is it's really just diving into fantasies and the the whole idea of talking and and the fear and the reluctance that we have on this subject. Yes. Yes. Uh, so most of us have sexual fantasies. And most of us have many different fantasies over the course of our lives. And this is one of those areas where we're never really taught anything about fantasies. For example, what is a normal fantasy? Mm-hmm. And how do we communicate with our partners about them? And should we ever act on them? And if so, how do we go about doing that in a safe way? And so what I wanted to do was to write a book that really gives people the information that they need on this subject, and then also some practical tools and skills they can use to bridge the gap between fantasy and reality in a healthy way. Okay, because that's that's what's so interesting to me, Justin. Because you know, uh, like we and I, were, you and I were talking right before we started the, the recording today, um, that a majority of the SMR nation is going to be under a spiritual or Christian religious umbe- umbrella. Which, when you put religion and, and fantasy together, those two suckers don't ever uh, align well. I mean, that's a 
most of the experience that I get is, no, we can't even talk about that. No, we can't even, no, 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 no. You know, you just got to shut all that down right away. But what I'm fascinated by is you're talking about uh, just because the research you did was across the board of society. So it was a pretty good representation of people across all orientation, gender, age, you know, a lot of, a lot of different respondents involved. There's still the same kind of reluctance and hesitancy and uncertainty. Yeah. So for this book, I surveyed 4,175 Americans. They ranged in age from 18 to 87. They came from all 50 states. They are diverse in their gender and sexual identities. They come from a range of religious and political backgrounds. And so it really allowed me the opportunity to look at to what extent our fantasies vary across different demographic groups okay. and also how different groups feel about their fantasies and the extent to which they communicate about them. And, and also just, you know, kind of how common, how much commonality do we have in our sexual fantasies across these different groups and segments? And one of the things I see is that there's a lot more that we have that binds us together than, <laughs> than that separates us. Isn't that and so, kind of a common occurrence in almost any topic, it seems? Yeah. And so this is one of these things with fantasies where most people think that they're weird or unusual. And it turns out that they're not. You know, the things that you're fantasizing about, odds are, are the same kinds of things your partners or friends or, or other people in your life are fantasizing about as well. And so you don't need to feel so weird about having those thoughts. It doesn't mean that you need to go act on every single one of those thoughts. You know, that's a totally different thing. Right. Um, but just in terms of the way we feel about our fantasies. I think there's a lot we can do to reduce a lot of that shame and guilt that we have because that's what really gets in the way of healthy sex lives and relationships is, is all of that inner turmoil and anxiety we have that holds us back. Right. That starts squashing us or, or making us feel the shame component or the guilt component when in reality it's the whole other world going on in our head <laughs> that, that should I feel shame about that or not because – Aren't we way too judgmental a lot of times, it seems, on, on our own thought, lo thought life? We're way too judgmental of ourselves, and we're also very judgmental of our partners. And, and this is one of those things that gets in the way of maintaining a happy and healthy relationship is that um, a, a lot of us are afraid to talk to our partners about what we want or what turns us on because we're worried about being judged by them. And when we've got that hanging over our heads it it makes it really difficult to talk about anything right. when it comes to sex uh, well absolutely i mean that's part of the reason why smr exists is is largely just trying to start conversations and help frame conversations for couples to take place in their own home that then makes sense and aligns with their values and their morals of what they want in their life and and that's where that's where I think the stuff that that you do, um, and and a lot of the other things that are just out there, because there is, I mean, it, it's interesting because if you talk about the world of sex therapists or sex researchers, um, that's not a really big group of people. It, it's not <laughs> the, the sex research therapy and education community is really small because uh, I go to these conferences all the time and. It's kind of funny in a way because sexual issues are really the biggest reason that people go seek any type of relationship counseling or therapy. Right. 
And there's very few people who have the certifications and, and have had the education to be able to help people adequately address the problems. Right. I actually worked in a counseling course in our entire curriculum on sexuality and relationships. And it's like, how do you expect somebody uh, who is training to, to do this for their career to get everything they need to know in the context of a single course in one semester? <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Pam, throughout the 29 years of our marriage, Mm -hmm. uh, there have been several times where one of us has experienced uh, acid reflux, upset stomach, um, (laughs) eating too late in the evening. Mm. And when this happens, what usually happens? We end up on the couch with pillows propping us One of us is out on the couch. The other's often back in bed. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're in a gracious mood and we do a little sleepover together, but mm-hmm. it is one of those things that that kind of a condition can separate us mm-hmm. and it can separate a whole lot of other couples too. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's a clinically proven solution that's brought pain relief and a better night's sleep to hundreds of thousands of people like Pam and I. It's not a medication and it's not surgery. It's the MedCline sleep system. You just set it up on your side of the bed, go to sleep. It's just that simple, Pam. It is. Whether you suffer from painful night t- nighttime acid reflux, shoulder pain, or both, the MedCline pillow system is designed to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable, I agree, doctor recommended and clinically proven to provide effective natural acid reflux or shoulder pain relief and a better night's sleep. So here's some facts about this thing that we've had a chance to try out mm-hmm. yeah. and see that it works mm-hmm. and is helpful. MedCline's been validated in seven independent clinical trials as the most effective natural treatment for heartburn, regurgitation, and many of the painful symptoms of GERD all while you sleep. MedCline sleep systems are a medical device, which means that you can use your HSA funds to help cover the costs because it's a grade one medical device. Nice. 93% of the patients reported a reduction in nighttime heartburn with the reflux relief system and an overall improvement of their sleep quality. Because what I've been doing for years now mm-hmm. is sleeping on my side with multiple pillows. Well, MedCline takes care of that for mm. me. Yeah, it does. So put it into your nighttime discomfort and you can rediscover a good night's sleep with MedCline. Now you can get 20% off when you go to MedCline.com slash SMR. Again, that's 20% off and a better night's sleep today at medcline.com slash SMR. Wake up beside each other every morning from now on. We do it, and you can too. So it seems like one of the things we may need to do, Justin, is just as, as you define the idea of fantasy, that let, let's give a, from what you've come across, how do you, when, when someone says, so what's a fantasy? And how do you know a fantasy from reality? Or, you know, how do you, what do you do with that? So a fantasy, very simply defined, is a mental thought or image that turns you on. Something that crosses your mind where there's some experience of sexual arousal that accompanies it. And what I find in my work is that 97 to 98% of people report having sexual fantasies when they're defined this way. And so I I should say that they're different from sexual dreams, which occur while you're sleeping. And those are driven by a non-conscious process. So, So fantasies occur while we're awake and active, and we can bring them to mind on command if we want. So people can draw upon their fantasies while they're engaged in self-pleasure or during a partnered activity. Um, sometimes people fantasize because they're bored, right? Fantasies right. serve a lot of different functions in our lives. Right. And then is fantasy always something that's going to lend itself into the sexual 
side of it? I mean, with what the research it is you did, I would say yes. But would you say if we go out another layer? Sure. You can have fantasies about anything, right? But um, my focus is really on those fantasies that, that lead to some feeling of sexual arousal. Okay. And one of the things that I look at in my work is, you know, sort of what's the overlap between fantasy and desire. So when you have one of those thoughts that turns you on, do people actually want to act on it? And what I find is that for people's favorite fantasy of all time, the one that they think about most often, for most of them, about 80%, it is something that they would like to incorporate into their sex life at some point. But I find that only about one in five people have ever actually acted on it before. So there's this big gap between what they, they want and then what they're actually doing. Why do you suppose that is? Why? What, what makes that, that... That's a pretty big gap. Yeah, and so... So I ask people a lot of questions about what's preventing them from from acting on their fantasies. And people are kind of all over the board in what they say, but the most common factors are, one, that they don't think their partner would be willing, or they're worried about their partner judging them for for them sharing a fantasy that's different. Another is just uncertainty about how to go about doing it. They lack the knowledge and skills to, to actually do this. And then there's also just kind of fear of what would happen if I act on this fantasy. Right. You know, some people have safety concerns. Uh, some people are worried about potential risks to their health or their partner's health or the well-being of their relationship. So it, it's really a lot of fear, uncertainty, anxiety, and, and fear of disapproval. Oh, kind of like normal everyday existence. <laughs> or <regard>. less, yeah. <laughs> All right, because this is also what's interesting, Justin, because I was at a conference just this uh, last year and uh, they we went in it was the whole world of brain science and neurobiology uh, and just kind of understanding the wiring of things and, and so there was a little segment talking about fantasy and the presenter asked the question of uh, just with a quick poll of the audience how many fantasize or how many are really good at fantasizing or how many don't right because this is the one thing I come across quite a bit is well I don't have any fantasies Right. And so he then proceeded to just show pictures of people that are just like from magazines, nothing inappropriate, not even close to suggestive, but just good headshots of people. And he's like, okay, so this person, are they confident? Are they not? You know, I just started asking a bunch of, do you think they like sex? What kind? What do you think is their favorite kind of sex? You know, just, and everybody, it just lit up the room with everybody. Oh, no, they don't. And, you know, and it's all these kinds of things. And he's like, after we did this for like four or five minutes with a bunch of different photos. And then he stopped and goes, and you say you guys don't have fantasies. Isn't that exactly what you're talking about here? Where it's something that's, in, it's the imagination. It's the, it's the correlation of something that I take from me, I mean, the psychobabble side of that is projection, you know, that, that it, but it, that's all this is, isn't it? And, and you're talking about how do I have that aspect of my life and honor it to steer it towards the reality of my life, too. Yeah. And a lot of people just aren't comfortable talking about their fantasies at all or even admitting that they have them. And it's, ultimately really tied down in these feelings of shame and embarrassment and feeling like your fantasies aren't normal and there's something wrong with you for having them. And so when you've got all that reluctance, it makes sense that you're going to have a lot of people who don't admit to having fantasies. 
Now, one thing that is interesting uh, is that there are some people who legitimately can't have sexual fantasies in the form of mental images because they have this condition called aphantasia where they can just literally not pull to mind a mental image of anything, whether okay. it's sex related sure. or not. So there are some people who can't fantasize, sure. but the vast majority of people can and do. It's just whether we're open and talking about them varies <laughs> a lot. That's the bigger gap then we're talking about. Yeah. Is is how do I what do I do with that? Do I share it with someone else? Because you're also talking about, you know, the ability to bring up a fantasy with someone uh in the context that I believe in with with sex image radio and marriage, that a lot of times, you know, is I mean, I'm in a couple of weeks, Pam, my wife and I are celebrating twenty seven years. And so if I bring to her, I want to, you know what? I finally want to share this fantasy I've had. She's, there's going to, that's, that's loaded, right? Right. That's this whole, okay, awesome. But what took you so long to share that? Well, you know, there's a lot of other things associated with it because you're talking about a real vulnerable move. Absolutely. And this is where fantasy discussions sometimes can go off the rails is when somebody has a longstanding fantasy that they don't share with their partner for potentially decades. And the partner who is receiving that information might feel like they were betrayed in a way because mm -hmm. their partner didn't ever share that side of themselves. And we see this often in the world of sex therapy where people come in who have been in these very long-term relationships and suddenly they're having a conflict over sex because one partner never revealed right. their fantasies or desires. So I think that speaks to the importance of having these conversations early on in your relationship. And then also having regular check-ins with your partner about what it is that turns you on. Because one of the things I see in my work is that people's sexual fantasies seem to change as they age. And that was going to be and my so follow-up question was, is it pretty common that there's a transition of my fantasy or a morphing of it? Yeah. And so this is one thing where almost all of the research that's out there on sexual fantasies is based on college students. And that's because college students are the most readily accessible population for research. <laughs> Absolutely. But what, what I've said in a lot of my talks on this topic is that college students are actually the least interesting group of people you could study if you want to learn about sexual fantasies, because they have a much narrower range of content. Right. Right. Sex is something that is very new to them. Right. And so their fantasies are, I guess you could say, a little bit more basic in right. some ways. And it's really when you look at people in their 40s and 50s where their fantasies seem to be much more adventuresome. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because most people in that age bracket have been in long-term monogamous relationships for a long time. And human beings have this inherent need for sexual novelty. And it's easy to fall into a sexual routine with mm -hmm. a long-term partner. Sure. And so I think in our fantasies, we're, we're often trying to break free of that and find other ways to meet that need for novelty. Okay. It, because that's just as in, introducing something new, something titillating, uh, an experience. Because I think in there also a component of this, Justin, that while there might be something that in, in the context of what we're discussing, you're talking about a fantasy as something that produces a sexual desire or a spark, but isn't there closely tied to it an emotional component, a mental component that we've sexualized it? And yes, that's appropriate, but there's also this whole, I can have some fantasies that are really emotionally driven more than sexually driven. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And I would actually say that most fantasies, no matter what they're about, usually have some emotional component to them. I actually find it's pretty uncommon for people to say that they fantasize about completely emotionless sex. <laughs> and when, when you start looking at the specific types of things people are fantasizing about and you start analyzing them, you can see the different types of emotional needs that people are trying to meet. And so it's very easy to look at a fantasy and think that it's just about the sex, but it's it's usually not. For example, there's often this deeper need to feel wanted or desired right. that comes out of people's fantasies, or they want to feel like they're sexually competent or good at sex, right? So there's a lot of validation that we're trying to get through our fantasies. And so it's, it's often not really about the sex as right. much as it is about bolstering the way that we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And... I like that framework because I think that that's, that's kind of our whole goal anyway of I, I believe fully that relationships are designed to help us grow up and be better and challenge ourselves. You know, that a, a marriage done right is a people growing machine, right? <laughs> because you're challenging each other to just become better. It's not just your spouse's responsibility to be better for you. It's your responsibility to be better for them. And and if I can look at that concept of what is it, because that's the stuff that, you know, you, I think you can put this in the category of, you know, you never solve this thing, right? <laughs> it's like all the, all the problems we've got in marriage or sex or uh, fantasy or whatever. Is there ever just this all, oh, okay, and now all of a sudden I can rest? You know, no, <laughs> it's just a better understanding. And then I still figure out how to use it better. Absolutely. You know, relationships are a process, and they're always changing over time. And I think a lot of people sort of fall into this trap where they think early on you establish your compatibility and then everything will just work out easily from there. And I, I don't really advocate for that type of approach. Right. Uh, I, I try to encourage people to take a growth mindset for relationships and to recognize that problems can and will emerge, but that they can be overcome and you just have to work on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we see that people who take this approach uh, in, in the research, that their relationships last longer, they're more satisfying. And so that willingness to work with your partner on issues uh, and also work on yourself is so important for relationship success. It absolutely is. And um, Justin, I applaud you for the work that you do and, and the willingness to, to be part of the small crowd <laughs> that's, that's diving into what, where everyone exists in some way, shape, or form, it seems. Uh, so for those of you, those of the people in the SMR Nation that want to check out more of your work, how, how do they find you? My website is sex and psychology at sexandpsychology.com. And you can find links to my books. I also, uh, in my social media, I'm blogging and writing about the, the science of sex on a very regular basis. And my goal is to provide adult sex education that is based in research and data and science. Because I think that when we're trying to improve our sex lives, that's really going to be the best guide point that we can use to, to get to where we want to be. Uh, so that's what makes me different from a lot of the other folks who are out there who are just advocating based on their personal experiences. Um, my blog, my writings, my work are not about me. They're about you. They're about what the data say. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, Justin, thanks so much for the time. Uh, and I look forward to continuing the conversation uh, on the other side in the extended. Thanks for having me.
So it only seems apropos to wrap up the show, Pam, uh, by putting you on the spot and tell me your deepest fantasy. Well, here we go. How much time do I have? <laughs> About a minute. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Calgon, take me away. A big bathtub. Oh, that kind of right? fantasy. We're talking. <laughs> we just dated ourselves, by the way. Yeah, Anybody yeah. that's younger. Uh, I remember I was speaking one time and I said to a bunch of moms, mm-hmm. uh, new moms at a church. And I, and I made the comment of Calgon, take me away. And the only people that laughed were the mentor moms. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> everybody else like, I so for you, you young people, go out there and Google Calgon, take me away, and you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, transcripts are available in the show notes for each of the episodes pages that we have. And all of our advertisers, deals, and discount codes are also available on each of the episodes pages at smrnation.com. Please consider supporting those who help support the show. The greatest compliment you can give us is to share the show with those that you care about. As we say every week, remember that we improve those around us when we improve ourselves. So take on yourself first and apply what you hear on the show each and every week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.